So give us what give us what you got there. Um, I don't have anything. Sandra Gall, uh, silence. Okay, the, listen, uh, we're ready to get going here. Let's introduce our, our company here. This is Green Street Joinery. This is the American podcast, the American Craftsman <laughs> podcast. That was smooth. <laughs> it was. It was. But you know what? Somebody's got to break the ice. Can, can you tell yeah. this is our first time? <laughs> yeah. A anyway. So here we are. Uh, we have a couple of things outlined for today. Uh, the first thing is uh, introducing the beer of the week. So <laughs> You just uh, skipped over the introduction. That was the introduction. Oh, God. The introduction was me introducing our company. Let oh, me okay. do it again. I'll start again. Start again. And then it's introduced the beer of the week. Oh, all right. Not the backstory. Are you going to tell everybody what the beer of the week is? I have to see. I it. call this meeting. No, I'm going to say because I'm the one that picked you, you, it out. You yeah, hand it over to Jeff. Okay, ready? Yeah. <laughs> Sound rolling. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to our first broadcast, the American Craftsman Broadcast. See Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> Okay, let's How again. old are you? <laughs> That's like, you ever seen that commercial where they're like buttery, flaky crust, and the guy, he cannot, the old guy can't get it? <laughs> you want a okay. piece of me? Here we go. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our first annual, first weekly <laughs> broadcast. <laughs> you, you guys are one? making me nervous. Oh, God. <laughs> you got one more shot. Okay. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our weekly broadcast, the American Craftsman Podcast, uh, by Green Street Joinery. And these are my partners uh, to my left, Robert, Jeff. We've been together for close to about a year, and uh, we're here now to uh, shed some information about what we do and answer some questions for the people out there. But first, we're starting a new uh, part of the program. We're having the introductory beer of the week. And today, it was picked by none other than Jeff. Take it away, Jeff. All right, so what we have here, what we have here is, this is uh, Uncanny Valley by Jug Handle Brewing. So this is actually uh, a brewery in Tinton Falls, New Jersey, which is pretty close to us. Uh, it's a New England pale ale. So try it out. And we'll uh, we'll wait until a little later to see, you know, what we think about it. Not bad. Not bad. You can see we spent a lot of time together. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Put the can face in the people. So. Uh, I think the way we're going to start out is uh, Rich this week is going to tell us a little bit about how he got into woodworking and, um, you know, in the upcoming weeks, you know, Rob and I will share our story, but we'll, we'll start off with Rich. Okay, listen, I didn't start out as a woodworker. I think most people really don't start out as woodworkers. I worked in the white collar profession as an accountant for a number of years. And then about 1980s, uh, I lost my job as an accountant, and I really couldn't find any work. But I was tinkering around with doing woodworking projects around the house, and 
Uh, my first company is I started a uh, Try Hard Country Creations, which was basically making country furniture. That's a mouthful. Yes, it was. It had three hearts for the three kids that I had then. I, not, it's not that way now, but... the uh, And then after that, I, I started looking for jobs in the woodworking industry. So I worked for a number of different cabinet shops over the years uh, until I finally decided to uh, branch out on my own. And in about 2006, I opened up my own woodworking shop in uh, Lakewood, New Jersey. Uh, and that lasted for a little while, a couple of years. And then I decided to close down and just work as an installer for a, another cabinet company, which is the place where we happened to all meet at one time. And for the sake of being, <laughs> for the sake of not giving the name out, we're going to use the name Tom. So this is basically our story of how we got together. Uh, when I left my last, uh, when I closed down the shop, I, I worked with this gentleman, Tom, as a installer and a cabinet maker. And during the course of the time, uh, I worked on and off with him. And then uh, there was one time this gentleman came in uh, with this long hair and this kind of nutty look to himself. And I said, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and for a while there, I tell you the truth, I wasn't too fond of this guy because he was a little too crazy for me. But one day we went out on a job together and uh, we struck up a relationship uh, and we've been friends ever since. And the gentleman I'm talking about is, is Rob right next to me. How long ago was that, Rich? That had to be... That was that salon, Three years ago. Right? Yeah, three years ago. And the funny thing is, no, Rob, it's more than that. Well, yeah. yeah, well, because I met you guys uh, in 2016 on that job in Atlantic Islands. Yes, yeah. and and we met Jeff, Rob, and I through a job that we went to install for this Tom <laughs> character. Hey, and, uh, right. Jeff happened to be the lead carpenter on on the job site. So when I got fed up with this Tom character. I decided to quit. I couldn't take it anymore. I just, I just couldn't handle the way he did things, the way he worked, the way he ran that company. And unfortunately, well, fortunately, when I left, Jeff took over my position. You're, you're leaving out a vital part of the story. Which is what? You have a wife at home with a humongous pension. <laughs> so you decided you were going to quit, lay low. And just enjoy retired well, that, life. That was the story that there's a man, Tom. <laughs> that's yeah, that's what he spread. That yeah. was the rumor that was spread. Spread the rumor, but to tell you the truth, he made me sick to my stomach and I just couldn't take it anymore. Well what what was it about Tom that I mean we all have our stories, of course, but what was it about uh Tom, Tom. <laughs> that, you know, disagreed he, with you? He just cut corners on everything he did. Yeah, he put pieces of cabinets together with different kinds of wood to hide things, and then he would sell them to people as a kitchen cabinet. And it was just and him being in the shop itself made it crazy yeah, because it he would constantly, constantly look at you and watch what you were doing, and then he would come over and say, "Oh, well, why are you doing it this way?" 
Uh, he was the kind of guy that would come over and take a couple of screws out of your yes, case. Yes, yes. I've seen him actually one time try to control the table saw from a gentleman, which almost cut the kid's hands off. But that's the way this guy, Tom, was. But on to brighter. Yeah, I mean, bigger. it's sort of the, the whole ethos there and work environment there is what drove us to create Green Street Joinery yeah. because this is the, the complete antithesis of, um, you know, what was going on there. Um, you know, we, we go above and beyond for the client. We'll, we'll take extra time to make sure it's done the right way. We spend the money on the best possible materials and hardware, uh, finishes. Um, you know, there's just no, no reason to, to half-ass it. It no. makes it not worthwhile. Yeah. And, and we don't do it to, to be haughty or uh, pretentious. It's just, you know, we choose what we would want in our homes. We, we choose something based on our experience or recommendation, something that's going to last, that's well-made. And we do place uh, quite a bit of importance on where that either tool or, or product is made, if it's, if it's helping other businesses our size especially locally yeah. uh, within the States, that's, that's an important um, issue for us as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we try and control every aspect of the build that we can. You know, if we can get as close to the person producing the material or, um, you know, where we buy our lumber, you know, most of our lumber is coming from Western Pennsylvania, um, we know them all by name now. They know yep. us. Right. So we just are more proud of the product that we're putting out. And that was the biggest thing at, at mm -hmm. Tom's shop was that when you went home, you weren't proud of what you did that day. Took like a nice, long, hot shower. Yeah, and you wake up. You don't <laughs> want to go to work because yes. you, you're basically you're ripping people off all day. That was the, definitely the place you didn't want to go every morning. Yeah. Well... Rich, you want to tell a little bit more about how we how we met? You know, because I see here on our uh, what are we gonna call this? A uh, cheat sheet. Yeah, no, cheat sheet. Our cheat sheet that uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, how we formed. Oh well. So we met on the job site. We met on the job sites. Yes, it was it was a gentleman called. We'll use the term Dokken. <laughs> so, like the band. <laughs> yes, not the band. Yes. <laughs> Donnie uh, Dockin. It was Donnie Dockin's house. Yeah. At that point Beautiful in time, uh, we were still working for Tom, and Jeff was working for the builder that he was working for. Uh, and then slowly but surely, uh, I think you got laid off first Me? from Tom. Oh, yes. yeah. That's, that's a good story coming up. Yes, <laughs> coming yeah. up in a week yeah. or two. So, he, got, he got laid off. So Rich resigns to, <laughs> to live off the lamb with his... Uh, fat pension. Wife's fat pension, right? <laughs> I take over as the new installer. And he was gung-ho, too. Uh, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but Rob's on sabbatical at that time. That's yes. right. Should we? Well, I'm on sabbatical because I had worked for myself like Rich. And uh, one of the things that led me over to Tom's was uh, an elbow injury. And I really couldn't work by myself any longer. And... Through the Woodworkers Guild, I'd come across Tom, and he lent me a finisher, and I was sort of 
bartering with Tom as he was paying the finisher, yeah, Tom in quotes, uh, and doing some work for him. And so I was at Tom's then full time right. after I realized I couldn't work by myself any longer. So where was I going with that? Yes, story? because and then I, I you were helped on job. Oh, oh, wait, I, yeah, I was I on helped, sabbatical. I helped uh, Rob at his shop. We did a non. Was that a non's kitchen? No, it was Prasad's kitchen, or was it no, a non's, non's kitchen? It was a non's kitchen. I helped you with a non's kitchen. Yeah, and uh, there was some talk of us getting together and maybe forming a, a little uh, group together at that point in time. But somebody was drinking the Kool Aid and decided <laughs> to go back to this Tom character. And I went back to my fat pension, and it's we kind of we stayed yeah. we stayed in uh, contact together. And then something uh, I guess miraculous happened, and uh, my the gentleman over to my left was let go, not permanently. Now, what what but, day was that? What day of the year? That was uh, the day after Christmas. Hmm. Merry Christmas. How much notice did you get? Uh, three minutes. <laughs> But I, it, I wasn't really Industry let standard. go. He, it was, I just want you to stay home for about two weeks, and then, then I'll have you come back. He's still I waiting. I said, uh, really? I, I, it was quite an unusual thing. It, you know it was weird, though. Like, Well, we'll save that story. Yeah, Tom, if you're listening, call Rob. He misses you. He's still waiting for that call. I'm still, still waiting for that call to come back. It's been, so it's, it's been <laughs> a hundred weeks now. So it gets to be later in the year, and we're talking maybe in the middle of summer. We started to get together and started working on a couple of things. And uh, Jeff came into the picture, and we formed a, I guess, kind of an instant bond with one another. And we decided to pursue this and start our own uh, woodworking business and that's basically how we formed and we've yeah. been together now for it's actually over a year the, the business was was formed in about two more weeks it'll be our year anniversary uh, but the idea was way before that yeah if I remember I had like one or two little jobs and you had one or two little jobs we sort of just said let's just because Rich had helped me in the past and I'd helped him we said let's just Put these jobs together, and we'll just split whatever is is it left over in yes. the pot. And <laughs> this was well, this I'm was still great. working at Tom's, yeah. and I'm you know communicating via text all day about oh yeah, Rich rustled up another job and <laughs> got a bid out for this, and I'm you know over there licking my chops, just waiting for their, something to break. Yeah, enough work to be. We had Patty Pantry who called, yeah. you know, the queen of MDF. Um, well, you got to tell him like. Now, Rich and I are in our late... Fi I'm in my late 50s. Rich is in his early 60s, so... I don't, look, I don't look that old. At the time, he's like 30 years old. He's got a newborn son. Yeah. So his set of requirements is a lot different. So he can't just take the leap like Rich and yeah, I Yeah, because right, yeah. I have a my fat wife's pension. fat pension. pension. Yeah. <laughs> is she that secret benefactor for the business that's been uh, funneling yes. all that cash yes. in? Uh, well, you, you got me. <laughs> But yeah, so I'm at Tom's, Tom's, and I'm working 40 hours in three days. Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm working 40 hours, and Thursday and Friday, I'm coming here and working with you guys. That's right. Um, Two full days, Thursday and Friday. Yeah. Not, not slacking off at all. Yeah, so then uh, 
my mother-in-law actually ends up in the hospital with some heart issues, you know, super healthy woman, eats well, uh, does yoga. Turns out that they think, and, you know, it come to find out that this probably wasn't the reason. You know, they say, this may be from stress at work. So first thing I do <laughs> is I send an email that says, you know, this is my resignation in two weeks. Um, basically, I'm out of here. So I had to take a leap of faith because it was it was literally killing me to work there. Um, and, you know, to feel the difference now waking up every morning, it's, you know, it feels good to be proud again of what you're doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got to love what you do. And that's what we that's basically what we do. We, we love working together and we love making the things that we make. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it continually as the weeks pass. But um you know, a lot of people, guys especially, who've thought about trying to do something like this or they, they see us sort of living this dream, which in, in one way we are, but there are so many sacrifices that go into creating this, this workplace. We make a lot of them daily, whether it's choosing a job and turning down a job or just, you know, picking this niche of the marketplace which is pretty slim um because you know quality of life and the quality of what we do is very important to us yeah i mean it's difficult to not bend your morals (laughs) yes (laughs) well not for some people (laughs) right you know we've we've done things for clients um that we wouldn't typically do ideally um you know, because we we believed in the client and believed that they were looking for, you know, something done really well, and we're at risk of being sold something that's not, you know, as good. Um, so we've, you know, we've done some things that, you know, weren't uh, wrong, but not what we would typically do. You know, for those people. Yeah, but we're very upfront about it. Right. You know, we will explain to somebody. Well, if you want it built this way because you'd prefer saving money we're going to tell you why we prefer to do it the other way and these are the issues that may come up in the future right um we don't sell it as something that it's not yeah and it hasn't been so much financial um you know with design these days things are very in a box and very um cookie cutter which isn't something that we really have any interest in doing. Thank you, Pinterest. Yeah, <laughs> and and Instagram, because um, we've had the photos brought to us of people who I'm sure you all know uh, from Instagram and Pinterest, and we won't build things that way because it's not the right way. Well, that that'll go back to uh, uh, we'll be probably touching on that in our last uh, one of our questions. The uh, viewer question of the week, which is an interesting question. So we'll probably get more into that uh, at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Should we talk any more about our, our company goals and ideals? Or you think that's enough? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, quality above all is really our biggest. Um, yeah. I mean, we do design everything from scratch as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, people come to us with something that they want in their home typically. And, and we take it as a, a big responsibility to not just do something we've done before um, because it's convenient or we know how to, or it's inexpensive. 
we we really spend a lot of time with uh, clients. We go to their homes, we visit, we measure, we design, we redraft and revise until we feel we've we've got something that's unique to them without being you know untimely or something like that. It's gotta it's gotta stand the test of time both in the way we build it and the way we design it. And you know we look to the masters that preceded us for a lot of those cues. We're not reinventing the wheel we're just trying to continue those traditions right um i mean the kids that clean our shop are <laughs> the children of old clients who didn't even have children at the time mm -hmm. and now he's in high school and he comes and he cleans the shop on the weekend that's how long these relationships last because of uh, you know our work right and when someone um you know experiences the difference you can't really go back to buying furniture and cabinets the way you were before because yeah um you see how much of a waste it is in money and resources and um, that's that's another thing we'll probably touch on that in the future yeah. you know yeah. the, the value and the economy of a better made product mm -hmm. and you know going back is like uh you know if you've ever been lucky enough to fly first class you know, they, they bring you food. <laughs> your knees aren't bumping up against that yeah. seat. Boy, if you got to go back and coach again. <laughs> it was like that ride to Vegas on um, Spirit, Spirit Airlines. Can we say that? Yeah. That was great. Oh, no. We at least had the, uh, yeah. the emergency seat, so we yeah, didn't we have did. leg room. That's true. And we, we did win a couple little bottles. Yeah, of Rob won. Yes. Yes. No, well, yeah, and you won the oh, free miles. Yeah, that's right. You get the cash those in. We solved the puzzle. I mean, we were killing yeah. it. Yeah, great flight. Can't say enough about Spirit Airlines. Drink up. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they tell you when you're boarding. <laughs> yeah, especially on the way to Vegas. So do you want to you wanna move on to Tool of the Week? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think at least for now, you know, we'll see how many weeks we can come up with a tool. We have a lot of tools. Um you know, we'll show you guys something that we like and just talk about it a little bit. Sure, sure. Well, this week it's me. And, uh, you know, we're all a big fan of hand tools here. And I have a Veritas hand plane. You know what? That like, looks like my <laughs> hand plane. Apron plane? <laughs> yeah. It's a small block plane. And, uh, yeah, they call it an apron plane. It's something that it's it's just small enough to carry around in your apron, which is you know, Calavera apron, <laughs> which is right. Calavera behind us. Tool That's right. Yeah. Shout out to Calavera. Thanks, Michael. Um, uh, so, uh, the, one of the little jokes around the shop is that I seem to like the miniature version of tools, the small tools. And, uh, I'd always wanted one of these planes, but you know, I mean, a plane, a good hand plane is an expensive piece. Um, this one's somewhere, you know, on the higher end of the, the basic plane. Uh, but it's very well made. Veritas makes some pretty good stuff. And uh, so when when Rich came to the shop and brought all his tools in, by the way, the shop here is conveniently located behind my house. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I put a bunch of stuff that wasn't woodworking related back into the house. And we were all spreading our tools around and, and staking our claim. And I saw this in Rich's box. And uh, he didn't even unpack it. You know, I just kind of just 
took it. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is mine. And it's been in my possession for a year now. Yeah. Rich is just waiting to cash in on that. Yeah, there's, so there's, there's a little bit more. You can explain the deal now. Yeah, there's a little bit more to this story. So I told him, I said, next time you get a tool in there, I get dibs on your tool. Yeah. No matter what it is. That's it. That's it. It could be a $5 piece of tool or it can be a $100 piece of tool or a thousand or a $1,000 yeah. piece of tool. And he can't say anything no. about it. That that's the Faustian bargain here that yes, I I took this plane and I fully understand that every time I get a new tool, Rich can come over, he can take it, he can try it, and if he wants it, it's his. And that deal continues forever until Rich picks, picks my a tool. tool. One thing. <laughs> so, so that's how much I wanted this plane mm -hmm. and enjoy it, and and also knowing that it was Rich's, you know, add some value to it for me. Um, but it's it's really a handy thing for knocking down corners. You know, not so much for for doing a lot of heavy work with, obviously because of its size, but. You know, we work with a lot of hardwood and we're always, you know, knocking corners, maybe shaving something off a little bit. And it's 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 just something I enjoy holding in the hand. You know, it feels good. It feels right. And mm -hmm. it's not something you're going to use every day. But, um, you know, like a tape measure or something. Right. But it's it's a nice tool to have. And I would uh, tell anybody who hasn't you know, tried something like this to, to give it a shot. It's a good entry level price. A very toss plane, too. I mean. Um, something that you could easily go forward with if you sharpen your own blades and everything oh, yeah. like that. Well, that's that's going to be the key. Uh, learning, knowing how to sharpen your blades. It's yeah. always been a bugaboo of mine. But uh, we got Jeff now. Yes, exactly. So. <laughs> Jeff will put a mirror yeah, shine. Yeah. On Resident everything. tool tool snob, <laughs> as I've been called. That's right. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, you know, you guys have any questions about the tool of the week? Uh, yeah, you know, you. You're right in, and we'll we'll try and address that next week. Yeah. I heard Lee Valley, they're coming out with a new line of gardening planes. <laughs> yeah, Lee Valley, if you're listening, we miss you. Yeah, less gardening <laughs> stuff, more woodworking stuff. Yeah, this is of the age when they were still doing it. Yeah, yeah. Still doing it right. And yes. made, made in Canada, so yeah, nice. yeah. it's nice. Support them when you can. Yeah. Which brings us to uh, the topic of the week which is uh, the challenges of being a U.S. manufacturer. Ah, uh, we are a manufacturer. We are a small manufacturer. Right. Very but small. But we are USA. And that's what we strive uh, to do. That's who we strive to buy from when we buy our materials and all that. Uh, we don't want to uh, rely on that other place out in faraway land uh, for our material, but unfortunately, it's so hard to find things made in the United States, in Canada, and such. It's just a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. And a lot of, lot of manufacturers, when you go to buy something, you don't see that until you get the piece of machinery or the tool or this, and then you see that little stamp on the side that says, not made in the United States. It, it, it's not necessarily a political statement at all. No. It's, you know, we want to we wanna benefit people like ourselves. When, when something's made 
in uh, Asia, for instance, typically it's done because it's cheaper to produce. And the only people that are benefiting are the owners of this large corporation. Right. Yes. Um, so we love to get stuff that's made in America, comes from America, because that means there's some guy like us at work earning a paycheck and he's involved in the making of that. That's that's yeah. why we do it. Now, I had a discussion with um, a guy on Instagram, a bigger account from Canada. Now, he has the knockoff version of the True Position hardware jig that we have. That we paid the top dollar for, made right. in America. Um, you know, 189 bucks. I, I understand it costs more in Canada uh, because of tariffs and whatever. Um, he said that he would rather have the $50 or $30 Chinese version because he doesn't see the, the value. He, he thinks that 180, at $189, the true position is overvalued. They're, they're basically that they're ripping you off, um, which I don't agree with, first of all. Second of all, I'll I mean, pay. It did pay for itself in the It paid for itself in one job. job. I mean, I'll pay on. five times more if that money is going directly back into a small economy like you know, wherever True Position Tools is based in the U.S., that that money's going directly to pay these people working there. Um, and then at one hundred and eighty-nine dollars, there's not that much meat left on the bone. No, because we make things every day. We know what it costs, and people yeah. are shocked when they see what it what it actually costs <laughs> to make something. So at one hundred and eighty-nine dollars, most of that money is going back directly to the people that are making these things. Yeah, cost of production. Right. I mean, insurance. Yeah. The intellectual property of coming up with the idea, right? The investment in the tooling, um, you know, it's it's really a duty of everyone to try and put a little bit of more money back into these yeah. local economies because it should probably be more than one hundred and eighty nine dollars, but they have to compete with yeah. the knockoff that's forty or right. fifty dollars. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Um, you know, so we have to pony up the cash sometimes to just. <laughs> yeah. To really and keep, we do, and we yeah, do. oh yeah, no, we absolutely do. Um, you know, that's part of the difficulty in in selling our work is that there's such a disparity between manufacturing and um, you know the sale of the consumer goods that people don't know what it costs to make make right. these things. They think yeah. that you can go to Home Depot and buy a cabinet for let's say two hundred fifty dollars because that's how much it costs to make. Well, that's how much it costs to make if people are being exploited and and you know it's being um, done the cheapest way possible. But in reality, it's it's way more yeah. than that. Remember, Rich? What what was uh Well, we won't use folks' names, but we did go to a, it was a an old client of Rich's, and that's sort of where a lot of our first leads came from. As we were you know phoning all of our old clients and acquaintances, and we went over, and this was a, a well-traveled man. Uh, with a, a wife from Europe and they'd been around the world and they had fine furnishings <laughs> in their home and they took said took me a while to get it oh, that, no, I don't they know. said uh, come on over we want you to build us a custom bedroom suite we see your work you like, love it you had just finished a non's yeah, yeah. bedroom set a bed and a uh, what, two dressers these, yeah we yeah. have these photos for inspiration we went into their house we spent probably two hours there talking to them, meeting them, measuring, talking about their inspirations and their needs. And then they said, so what's the next step? Does this come in a kit? 
And I, I thought it was a joke at first. I mean, but as Jeff said, it's still a joke. It's yes, still the yes, butt we, of many jokes. People don't understand where these things come from. And usually, even Anon, he's a great example. Now, Anon's another guy who's uh, a, a white collar professional who's always you know, dabbled in woodworking as a hobbyist. So he knows what it takes to build something. When he came to the shop with his wife and saw the shop in the midst of what was going to be his kitchen, he was blown away mm -hmm. by the amount of work, the wood, this, the, um, the amount of setup it takes to put something together where you're concerned about all of the small details. Um, yeah, and that was a... What, cherry and maple? Cherry, yeah, with maple. All grain match doors <laughs> right. and, you know, face frames with book match panels reselled right. from five-quarter material. Um, not quarter-inch MDF flat panels that are... But that's basically our standard. I mean, everything right. is... Our normal stuff is, you know, five-quarter, grain match, book match panels, mortise and tenon joinery. We, if... If we know of the right way and a good way to do it, we'll do it that way. Right. And if not, we'll find out. Yeah. I mean, we got the internet now. There's no reason yeah. to not do it right. If you don't know, look it up. Right. And there's so many examples of people doing it the right yeah, way. Yeah, there's a lot of great woodworkers out there. Um, is, that, is that a segue? Is that a segue I hear? Uh, oh, no. No. Not yet. Not yet. We still got a couple other uh, topics. Man, we're going. We're, no, we're, yeah. still, we're still on this manufacturing thing. <laughs> we're grooving. A little bit. Uh, the end of that story with that gentleman that wanted the bedroom set. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we gave him the price. Uh, we thought it was a good price. Uh, but he decided to get a condo in Costa Rica and uh, wanted to travel to Singapore. So he decided that it was too much money to spend. Yeah. But that was, that's how it ended. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's not a question of not having it. That's the thing. But this is what surprises me. A lot of people, we know other people that are very success, successful in business, and they'll spend money on a $10,000 watch. Now, I'm not talking about a watch. $10,000 for something that you just go like this and say, oh, gee, it's that time. They usually have well, a it's that date. Yeah. And when we proposed a piece of furniture for this person, Oh my God, why is it so expensive? People just, Rob made a good point today about that. He goes, it's because people can't wear a piece of furniture, but they can wear an expensive watch. They can drive an expensive car. They can carry an expensive pocketbook, which is their status of who they are. Yeah. But they won't spend the money on a, on a beautiful piece of furniture. That can actually be passed down generation to generation. Because yeah, that's I, what we're looking to do. We're looking to build yeah. pieces of furniture that, that can be passed down. I think that's a big part of it. We've been sort of conditioned to think that, you know, over the last, let's say, 50, 40, 50 yeah. years, that furniture is disposable. Whereas <laughs> in the past, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you guys had, and even I had, yeah. the first furniture that, that you got was passed down from your grandparents, your parents, yeah. your cousin, your aunt and uncle. Now... After best case scenario, 10 years, it's gone. It's in a dumpster, then it's going to the landfill. Um, Another issue, really. And know. I don't know if it's that people aren't secure enough in their own taste 
or confident enough in their choice or the person that's designing the piece that it has the staying power to be you know worth having for that period of time which i think is something that we do um you know we design something that's timeless and that'll you'll be able to have it in your home for like the like the barn door product that's project that's coming up right um one of the things that seems to be in vogue right now are these interior barn doors that have the you know the the angular cuts in them and um it's it's a nice looking door but it it is going to be somewhat limited to what you can pair with it you know it's it does have a a a striking modern appearance um but part of this whole transitional design where they're mixing um, different time periods and yeah if you're if you're coming to us you're you're looking for something that's you know perfectly suited to you and your tastes and you care about quality longevity and all these things so we typically will advise that you know maybe in 10 years this door is gonna still be rocking but the style may not be right um, and then you're gonna be caught with this you know four by seven foot door that you're going to look to replace. Yeah. Where, do you think they were saying that about Golden Oak like, like <laughs> 25 years ago? Those kitchens that Red are still haunting yeah, us the, all? And the cathedral. Yeah, the events. half overlay, Red Oak. Red I wrote, wish they were saying that. I wish the they were warning people. The there might have been somebody. <laughs> yeah. hey, the rotary cut plywood panel. In the yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they weren't shouting loud enough right which it's a battle i mean it's yeah. a real battle with what well, people you know, tell tell the end of the story right what happened uh with the door yeah yeah i mean we got asked to build a door that um you know it, it wasn't up to snuff basically to build this door we couldn't do it um the right way so basically we said that well we can't build the door um and we ended up building it the proper way we did kind of have to go over the designer's head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're constantly being challenged on our expertise, you know, for the sake of, you know, an aesthetic that is just subpar and yeah. can only be built with MDF or particle board or, um, you know, just a material that we feel is inferior. So yeah, or for something that's probably more of a temporary right piece, and uh, we wouldn't. You know, we just never consider anything temporary. Right. Yeah, it's wasteful. And yeah. it's just, it's not fulfilling for us. Yeah. You you got a two-year-old boy. Yeah. I mean, we think about those things. What kind of planet we're creating and leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all the finishing we do, we don't yeah. use any toxic chemicals. We just all use uh, tongue oil basically and uh, there's this other product that just came out of Belgium yeah yeah Rubio Monaco Rubio Monaco that covers a lot of different colors and all that so we, yeah we, well plant-based it's yeah. a little bit more time-consuming to do but in the end we're not spraying lacquer we're not spraying toxic chemicals into the air and yeah. we're, we're trying to do our best to help the climate yeah. We'll probably talk about off-gassing yeah. one one episode. Oh, that was me, sorry. Oh, no, no, that, <laughs> the other type, the other type. Rich is, uh, he had some cabbage for lunch. Yeah. 
the beer. <laughs> that beer is going down pretty good. I, you know, yeah, I, it's good. I know we'll spend a little time on that, but yeah. uh, I've had a couple it. beers from them. Yeah. Um, Jug handle. Yeah. Nice. I think they're um, they're over there by MJ's, kind of maybe. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, save, about, that, uh, save that to the end. Tin Falls is probably. It's not a cool as you life. know, I digress. 20, uh, 20 I digress like at the drop of a hat. I'll be off. <laughs> which brings us <laughs> to our next topic, which uh, is the petty. Petty griper gripe of, the week. of the week. Yeah, it, Rob is our petty griper. Yeah, this is probably going to be my uh, weekly uh, thing, but. You know, I wouldn't mind handing this off if somebody's got something valid. He's an angry. Say, he's but, an angry old man. Yeah, I'm. I'm yelling at the clouds, but uh, shaking his cane. You know, the petty gripe of the week's not always going to be about woodworking, and probably not going to be about woodworking often at all. <laughs> and it is petty, but it's a gripe. And uh, I'd like to hear from you out there if you share in my petty gripe. And this week, it's about pretzels. <laughs> We're, uh, we consider ourselves pretzel lovers. We always have a nice big jar of pretzels in the shop. We're snacking all day. We got a, we got a pretty nice environment here. Maybe one day we'll, we'll give a little shop tour. But for now, take my word for it, we are pretzel lovers. But my gripe is, why can't the salt stay on the pretzel? How many times do you take the pretzel out of the jar and there's all the little spots where the salt used to be, and there's no salt. Yeah. Well, and then, like, Rich, he's, like, going over there, shaking the jar, pulling out the pretzels <laughs> with the most salt. By the time the jar's halfway down, there's, like, all these bald pretzels. And all the salt's on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? You never see that with potato chips. Nope. Nope. Popcorn, if it's got salt, it's got salt. Exactly. What's with the pretzels and the salt? Well, it's a different kind of salt. Yeah, but I mean, boy, they can't make it stick. Mm. This is what I'm saying, pretzel folks. Invent a pretzel where the salt sticks. Put enough salt on it. We don't want low salt. We don't want no salt. We want salt on the pretzel. I want to have the ability to brush the salt off. Yeah. I control that. I don't want the pretzel manufacturer to control that. Yeah, if it's I want a pretzel salty, with want to salt. Rub it off. Well, that's like a salt bagel. Salt Same bagel thing. is covered with salt. Yeah, and I rub the salt off if I don't want all that salt. Yeah, I like the salt. If they can do it on a bagel, how come they can't do it on a pretzel? That's true. I challenge you, pretzel manufacturers. <laughs> I challenge you. I throw down the gauntlet. Who's a, who's a pretzel manufacturer? Oh, we got right we can't that... be naming names. Of these yeah, we can't. It's a, it's a pretzel We will name the name of the pretzel who keeps his salt. Yeah. No, but we or her salt. Of, we you know, I, of... well, I don't know. We, we, we even... Does a pretzel have a gender? 2020, a, good, a pretzel can have question. a gender. Is, yeah. is, that a, is that an appropriate topic for the wood, modern craftsman, American me. craftsman podcast? I know, well, we, gotta, have to we have to check one. with our lawyers on that one. <laughs> uh, to see if it's even we can even be mentioning that. All right, so we'll move on. So uh, that is the gripe. That's my petty gripe of the week. Yep. Pretzel salt. Yeah. Keep it on there. Yeah. And add more. Go salt. Which brings us to now. We like to do this, and we want everybody out there to uh, participate. We don't really care what the question is. Hopefully, it's related to woodworking. 
But we'll answer any questions out there, whether you uh, like my hat or you like my shirt or where I get my clothes and all that. But this one, it comes from uh, a gentleman from New Hope. Uh, I call him Wet Willie, but his name is Wild Willie. And he's He's another cabinet maker. He's another cabinet maker from Pennsylvania. He happens to be a uh, a friend of ours. And he came up with an interesting uh, question. And... uh, since I have to stutter a lot with my speech, you want me to read it? Uh, let how will uh, Jeff read this? Yeah, he's this good. is uh, he's this is right so this is paraphrased. Um, what's the difference in quality between the big cabinet companies who market a cheap product as high end and a small company like yourself? Big developers claim they're providing a client with a custom cabinet package, when in reality it's a click and drag program where you get to choose the doors. Half of our job is convincing the client that our work is worth it versus buying whatever else is available. Basically, do you think people know what they're paying for? Hmm. That's a, that's a long question. Yeah, I mean, it ties in, you know, very closely to what we were yeah. talking about before. Um, so what? So what is he saying? He wants to know. Do people notice the difference? Is that part of it? Yeah, I think maybe what uh, what Will's getting at is um, is the reason people are fine with settling for some sort of inferior product is the reason because they just are absolutely clueless. Right. They don't know the difference. Right. Like they, they're getting the wool pulled over their eyes, yeah. basically. Or if it's not that, it's like, uh, like I grew up in Brooklyn and we had corn. It came in a can <laughs> or every now and again, you'd get it like it in was season. grown in a can. I think, yep. I think they <laughs> grew it somewhere else. And, you know, it would come out seasonally, especially back when we were kids. Right. The vegetables were seasonal. Um, and I remember, I, I don't remember the state, but I remember distinctly the feeling I had when I ate a piece of corn on the cob from like a, a stand on the side of the road, that it was so different that it was like a complete other food. Mm-hmm. And from that time, I can't eat that other corn. Right. So that might be something to consider that folks really don't know that there is a, a, a complete other type, another level, if you will, of, of furnishings. Yeah, because they haven't had it. Right. Yeah, yeah I mean, if you eat at, um, you know, McDonald's only, right. you don't know that there's, you may know, but if you haven't tried, you know, going to a nice restaurant. Mike's Little Red Store. Yeah. Big Mike's Little Red Store. And Another one of our uh, future sponsors. Another shameless plug. Yeah, our, our buddy Mike. a friend Mike. of ours. Um, you know, you just don't know, so you think what you have is fine. I think a lot of people, uh, they really don't know what they're buying. Everybody goes, they go to the Home Depot, they go to these cabinet even these, these custom, makeshift custom cabinet shops, shops yeah. custom cabinet shops, and, and they think they're getting custom cabinets, but, but they're really not. Yeah, explain because what it is, Rich. Cabinets are made in these shops in three-inch increments, meaning that they'll start with a nine-inch cabinet, then they'll go to a 12, then they'll go to a 15, an 18, 21, 24. That's the width size. Now, in order to make it custom, they make what they call fillers which they put in between the cabinets to make up the space so you have a space that needs a custom cabinet that maybe has to be 25 inches or 26 inches they'll make up that two inches with a two inch piece of wood 
and put it in between the next cabinet. Well, so you you know, anytime you hear the word filler, yeah, it's not a good thing. No, it isn't. Whether it's your food, and, and plus, yeah. you'll ever notice if you go to a, a store like Home Depot, if you have a run of cabinets that long that's longer than eight feet, you won't get a piece of crown molding that's longer than eight feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll get an eight foot piece of crown molding, and you'll have to what we call scoff the joint. And put it in a spot where it's so noticeable because they don't make that kind of molding. They do, but it's always extra. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes you can't even get it. No, it's and it's people don't realize. And then it's also the price. People just some people just don't want to pay for the product. And then when you go into these houses and you and you see the product that they buy and you start talking to them about it, then they start to say, Oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Look at that. There's a seam over there. Why is that seam over there? Why is it just only eight? Why do they give me an eight-foot piece of molding? So it's like people just don't don't realize what they're buying, and and vice. And what goes against also that is also when people like this cabinet shop, Tom, who considers himself a a high-end cabinet shop. Basically, he just makes boxes and orders the doors from another manufacturer. Mm-hmm. A factory. Yeah. So, and his doors are, and his drawer boxes are all plywood, maybe some hardwood, but they're all also pre-built. So, a lot of these companies, these cabinet companies, don't manufacture anything. They buy it from a manufactured, a manufacturing plant. Yeah, they're box builders. I mean, we've yeah. talking to a, we've uh, spoken to a bunch of people, uh, local guys, guys all over that. That's where they work. They work in a place just like that, where they, you know, they have a sliding table saw and an edge bander, you know, a biscuit joiner and a pocket hole machine, and they build boxes all day. And three clamps in yeah. a five thousand square foot shop. They screw on hinge plates, <laughs> and you know, they come when the doors come, they bore them and they snap them yeah, on. Yeah, and, and they call wait for that big order to come from the door company or the draw box company. It's all on right. thirty-two millimeters pre-drilled systems mm-hmm. they just hit in they don't just tap yeah in the tap hinges. the hinges in which is fine you know it's fine to use uh you if know if you sell it for what it is right yeah the euro system is is uh you know a valid system when done right um but to use it as a crutch to just right. sell so i'm sorry to interrupt or no. sold at like an ikea price right these things are essentially ikea cabinets no you know, stretch there with a different door and frame, if there is a face frame, which is, you know, just your basic factory assembled mm-hmm. thing. There's staples. When you turn it over, you see the staples, you see the pin nails. Yeah. Right. Now, these things jump out at RI because, you know, this is what we do. This is our vocation. But, and if we went into a house and we point out one, then the whole owner goes around their house going, Oh my God! Mm-hmm. Look at this. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I probably yeah. I forget where. No, yeah, I forget what I was talking about. Nice but, going there. You know, we're not uh, going to yeah. gang two 36 inch cabinets together and then shove a three inch filler in the end. <laughs> no, we'll make it. We're going to make no. a 75 inch. Ca- you know, 75 and nine sixteenths. Right. You whatever know, it is... needs to be, that's exactly what it's going to be, and it's going to be one cabinet. It's not going to be two with a filler. It's going to be one cabinet. You know, the kitchen, we just we just um, delivered a kitchen, mudroom, barn door to some uh, nice clients in um, you know, a couple towns over. Rocky Top Road. It was, I mean, how many... Morganville. Yeah, how yeah. many uh, cabinets total was that? I mean, really, it was 
maybe a dozen cabinets. Yeah, and this is a big kitchen and mudroom. The whole kitchen was two base cabinets with two uppers, and that's right. a, that's a it was a twelve foot run divided by a, a range. I mean, we had a the the pantry was nine feet tall and eight feet wide. One cabinet, <laughs> one single cabinet with twelve doors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking about. Three dozen, four dozen cabinets. If this was, if this project was done, yeah, you know the way most people do it. Yeah, so it's it's less filler. It really means more storage space. It means more economy as far as you know the, the materials that are required, which is you know an ecological measure. Um, it, it it's all thought out by us. And it just looks good. Yeah, it, it looks and works good. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, it looks so much especially better. Especially a kitchen. Something especially, that's especially functional. Because we go, we've gone with, we, we use one-inch uh, stock now for the doors and the drawers. And so it makes it beefier. Yeah. It, it makes it solid. It's yeah, like closing the door of a, you know, a high-end Mercedes yeah, or even the, more. The drawer, you know, we build, I mean, we build, we build everything from rough lumber. So it comes in as rough lumber and plywood, and that's what yeah. it's all made out of. You know, we... We um, took me a week just to make the drawer boxes. Right, we build the drawers. Um, <laughs> no exaggeration. Unless it's a super deep drawer, it's one piece of wood. Yeah, all those nine-inch drawers, one piece. Yeah, we didn't have a single glue up. I've seen uh, with Tom a, um, you know, like a four-inch drawer that had five pieces of of birch. <laughs> if you think that's Nordic possible. Birch, yeah. <laughs> so this is all FAS hard maple. Yeah, clear hard maple. Four quarter. Through dovetails every corner. You know, the bottoms, three eighths, rabbit. And we used to use actually half inch bottoms, but we were having trouble fitting that, you know, with the bloom undermounts, which is our preferred slide. We were having trouble, you know, creating that half inch space plus then the nine sixteenths that it needs right. for the bottom of the drawer and that lining up with the dovetail joint. Um, yeah, because so they're through, yeah. um, you know, with a half blind, it's easy. Yeah, it was making basically, such a big dovetail. You yeah. didn't like the way it looked. And, uh, you know, the through dovetail, I personally, I think it looks so much better. And it's, it's I mean, that's, the joint was invented because there were no glues. Right. I mean, it held the box together without glue. And the drawers, the, the hardest working part of the kitchen, probably. I mean, yeah. you know, especially you get in there, you're shutting it, you slam it, boom, bomb. Yeah. So to answer uh, Wet Willie's uh, question. What was the question? <laughs> Do people know what they're paying people, for? People, you know what? I, I would say so. 60% say, people know. 75% don't know. 25% do know. Yeah. That's my opinion. Uh, yeah. Is that, would you agree with that? Um, I, I'm going to say it's probably even more don't know. I'm going to agree with that. Uh, maybe sure. 95% don't know. 95? And yeah, 5% yeah. do know. And I'd say maybe 10% of those 95 are receptive to hearing, um, you know, about why they may have misconceptions. Yeah, yeah well, they just say they, they see a kitchen going, hey, it looks good. It functions. Yeah. I, I like those numbers. I mean, for the most part, the, um, uh, we find that probably the husbands aren't really that concerned with much besides the cost, especially as you get uh, into these bigger homes. People, you know, they work for a living to make all that money. 
and they're busy and they don't spend that much time in the kitchen except maybe at the island. Yeah, and all the, you know, the the intrinsic value has been stripped away. That's right. So people They're not using it. They're not interfacing with total it. Total utilitarian. We need a kitchen and it wants, you know, we want it to look like this, so let's just make it look like this the cheapest way possible. And we're going to yeah. we're going to sell this house in 10 years when I get a promotion right. anyway. So we just need this kitchen to last 8 years. And uh, that's that. Um so so you people out there, you know what? Start using your head. <laughs> Look at what you're buying. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, Will's right that a big part of our job is convincing people. Not even convincing, but... Explaining. Explaining why. Sometimes we feel guilty even. Yeah. And we're never going to get what we deserve. So we really have to... We, you know, right. we make a lot of compromises to be able to put a price together. Sure. Um, I mean, typically... Uh, we're just paying ourselves based, you know, it's all time and materials. What does the material cost for us? We don't, re we don't mark up the materials. We'll, we'll charge for us to, you know, um, pay the tax and the shipping and everything. But basically, we pass the material costs on to the client. We're very transparent. We show that. And then we pay ourselves an hourly wage. And if we figure a job, we go, all right, we're going we're gonna to estimate this job as 200 man hours. We know it's going to take us 240 to do it the way we want to do it. But we're not going to get it. <laughs> we can't price it at 240 hours right. because it's, it, it becomes unaffordable for the, the clients that we're, we're hitting right now. Right. Um, but we'd rather do it. We'd rather put in the 40 hours and be proud of it, put our name on it, and hope that that leads to the next job and the next job after that, which more or less it has been. I mean... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, and we're, we could sleep at night. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a recurring theme because it's sort of um, the biggest hurdle for yeah, us. Is it, it, it certainly hangs over the whole idea of a shop like ours. I mean, there are right. other people trying to do it. It's not, it's not a simple or easy way to, to make a living. Right. I mean, we, we have a lot of broad experience here between mm -hmm. the three of us, and that's really what makes it possible as well. Plus, having the shop here reduces our overhead. We have that going for us. And it, it allows us the freedom to, to be more stringent with our ideals. Right. You know, so we don't take it for granted. We, we take advantage of it, actually. Yeah, and to have the opportunity to be creative and artistic. Mm -hmm. and Yeah, um, and we're always pushing. Yeah. So I hope that answers your question. The, the but it was a very good question. The short yeah, answer is no. It's a, it? it's a hard it's a hard answer it's a hard question to answer. It's just yeah. 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 I mean, I think we we can probably agree that the yeah the short answer is yeah. The is developers no. do know. I mean, they know. Yes, because yeah, they're yeah, getting they the care. break. They just can't. Yeah. And they tack on a percentage on top of that piece of crap product, and they're happy with that. All right. So, I mean, that kind of wraps it up. Do I want, should we? Yeah, should we can we, put a pin in that for now. Should we end with the, you know, the evaluation of the Jug Handle Brewing Company, yeah, sure. uh, Pale Ale, Uncan New England style? Uncanny Valley Pale Ale, New England style Pale Ale. Well, you should probably go last since you brought it in. Okay, yeah. personally, if they were to become a sponsor of us, I would say, yes, I love this product. But you know what? I'm from Jersey City. I'm from the old man bars. I'm used to drinking Schlitz, Schaefer, Valentine. Taps. Valentine. <laughs> Off a tap. So you know what? Stick a Coors Light, stick a beer, a Budweiser in front of me. I'll be happy. 
a lot of these beers are coming out. They're, they're good. It's good for the uh, environment. It's good for the economy that they're coming out. But you know what? I'm not really a IPA drinker, so I'll pass that on to uh, uh, the younger folks because I'm set in my ways. Sorry. Okay. This, this is an IPA? Is that what it's that is? It's a pale ale. It's a pale ale? A New England-style pale ale. Okay. Um, well, I'm not a big drinker. You know, I'll have a, a couple of beers, and and as the guys know, the, my drink of choice is going to be Guinness. Mm-hmm. And I'll have like two or three Guinness. I really enjoy it. Um, but I like this kind of stuff where you're, you're tasting something different. Um, I would say I, 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 I'm definitely no connoisseur, but it tasted a little fruity, kind of summery, and uh, refreshing, if, if you could think of it that way, without sounding like a commercial. You know, it was it was pretty cold, and uh, we had lunch, and we're sitting here in the air conditioning. And it's life is good. Like life a, is good. Yeah, this is definitely a life is yeah. good. I'm I'm sipping on this, and if you came in with this when we were sitting out on the back deck, I would say, yeah, throw me one of those. Yeah, I mean, it was good. Um, it's very dry, very hoppy, uh, pretty bitter, which is the kind of stuff I like. So. I like it. I like that it's being made, you know. Well, yeah. Well, that's the that best part. It's made in uh, New Jersey, and that's that's great. Yeah. That, that fits right in with us. I mean, we buy screws made in America, which... <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> people, people think we're joking when we tell them, but it's not a joke. Yeah. Yes, and any of you microbreweries breweries want to sponsor us, you know, you know uh, we'll definitely enjoy your beer, too. We'll definitely try it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We just got a, a beer cooler a shameless, for the shop. Shameless ask yeah. for... Uh, uh, yeah, sponsor. Yeah, or free beer, however you want. To put exactly. It. <laughs> yeah. So we'll review it. Yeah. So so we say goodbye and thank everybody. That's yeah. Uh, that's yeah. That's our closing remarks. Basically, it was nice uh, talking to you people. Uh, Sharing. I want to really uh, pursue this even more in the next couple of weeks and make this a nice weekly thing. So we really want some questions out there. So yeah. Again, how silly the questions may be. Throw it at us. If we think it's silly, we won't use it. So, yeah, we'll make it up. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, how we did. Right. We're, we're a couple of woodworkers. We're not professional right. broadcasters. This was our very first attempt at it. We just hooked up the equipment today. We, yeah. We had, yeah. Well, that actually took us, it took issues. us a couple of days. It did days. take us two days, yes. We yeah. had some uh, minor malfunctions. Yeah. But uh, we're can-do guys. That's right. So we'll see you again. Hopefully next week. Take care. Till next time. I think they were pretty good. Yeah. Five eight.